All right, everybody. So today we have a very, very, very special guest with us on Furfluencers. I would like to introduce all of you to Sue Pike, the animal talker. Sue is an animal communicator, a Reiki master, spirit channeler, spiritual teacher, and she lives in Palm Desert, California. She's been a practicing Reiki master for many, many years, and I'm sure she'll tell us exactly how many. And she has been featured on the UK's This Morning Show, PIX11 News New York, Good Day New York, Positive Energy TV, The Late Night with Seth Meyers, and The New York Times to talk about her work with animals. Sue, welcome to Furfluencers. We're so happy to have you with us. Thank you so much, Julia. It's a uh, pleasure to be here. And I always love talking about my favorite subject, animals. <laughs> yes, well, you are in the right place uh, for sure. And I have to say, this is such a unique topic for this show because it's one that Anya and I are so, so new to. You know, some of the things that we've talked about recently, like we went back and we revisited the 101 Dalmatians movie, for example, something we know well. We've talked about dog bites and, you know, all these other issues that we have more day-to-day -day familiarity with. But the space that you've worked in is is so new and and unique to us. And I would just... I'd love to start with your background. If you could just tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you practice and what it, how how you came into this you know, this space. Sure. Well, I was actually a professional makeup artist for about twenty five years in New York, and I would say about the last five years, I started feeling like I wanted to do some not something else, but something in addition to. I had no idea where it was going to take me. And so I started looking into different modalities and healing arts and nothing was really sticking. And then one day I had a pretty traumatic medical emergency and a friend of mine said to me, girl, come on over here. I just learned this healing modality called Reiki and I want to offer you a Reiki session. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I went over there and he offered me Reiki and I was like, oh my God, this is it this is the thing I've been looking for. So I basically started my journey with Reiki and it's uh, Rei, R-E-I-K-I, Reiki. And Rei is universal life force energy, everything that's love in the universe. And Ki is your own Chi, Prana, chakras, however you want to describe your energy system. And as a practitioner, we're just channeling that universal life force energy to you and you're actually doing your own healing. You, uh, people and animals. Uh, so my journey started with Reiki in about 2000, um, and I started after that, I think it was like level one, level two, and right after advanced practitioner, I stopped and realized I needed to do some work on myself. I had some trauma I needed to deal with and all that good stuff. So started on my healing journey, and oh my goodness, all of a sudden I started to channel and I was like, what's going on? And I asked my Reiki teacher, you know, what's going on? Why am I channeling all these beings? What's happening? And she had no idea. She didn't know what was going on either. So um, basically, long story short, I started channeling from different uh, various spiritual realms. So for example, I would get messages and it would just come through me and I would just start speaking whatever the angel or archangel or whatever deity it was, or sometimes it was like a um, Native American chief or, you know, all various types of energies. And 
I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have anybody teaching me. So it was kind of, you know, just winging it. And I learned then to have boundaries with the unseen because I would be having dinner with my husband in a restaurant and all of a sudden start channeling something from the angel realm. It's like, wait a minute, I just want to have dinner with oh my, my husband goodness. right now. So learning how to, you know, deal with it and incorporate the gift in my daily life. Um, and then I thought, well, if I can start channeling things for people, why not animals? And so I started just practicing with animals. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was connecting with them. And then one day we went out to Utah to my husband's friend's place. It was a, um, a big, um, not a farm, but a big uh, ranch, sorry, in Utah. And he had several horses and he was very interested about what his horses wanted to tell him because he was having some problems with some of them. So I actually went in and talked to each horse and I was getting information for him. And he's like, oh my God, this is so helpful. Can you talk to my dog? I'm having some problems with him. And so I did. And when I left there, I just announced, I remember I, I walked out of their house and said, I am an animal communicator. And then um, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should start reading some books on animal communication. And I did. And everything they were suggesting about what to do to connect with an animal, to hear what they're saying, and also to relay messages back to them, I was already doing. It just came to me as a gift. But I do want to tell everybody that we all have this ability. Everybody has the ability to be an animal communicator. In fact, most people already are. They're, they're just not, in, you know, recognizing it or acknowledging it. But we all know our animals so well. We know when they're not feeling well. We know when they're happy or sad or stressed or whatever. So a lot of times in my sessions, people will say, oh my God, I had a feeling about that, or I wondered about that, because you know. And really, for animal communication, it's, it's basically just slowing down, quieting your mind, getting in a grounded space, however that is for you, and listening and being patient. Because a lot of times people, you know, it's like picking up a guitar. You can learn it, but you're maybe not going to do a full song right away. And so with animal communication, it's, it's like dialing, setting the dial on your radio, you know, to tune in to them. And being in that quiet state, for me, meditation does that for me. Um, and there's many ways to meditate too. So just putting a plug out there that everybody can do it. We yeah. all have this gift. Oh my gosh. I, I've been jotting, I have so many follow-ups for you, but awesome. let me go, I'm going to go back a little bit. And, you know, I was unfamiliar with Reiki until pretty recently. And did I pronounce that correctly? It's Reiki. Reiki yeah. Um, I was in Maine over the summer and I was driving around and I saw a sign for a, a Reiki practice and I didn't know what that was. And I looked up online and I said, this looks absolutely lovely. You know, they had a photo of somebody lying outside on a wooden table. You're in a field with trees overhead, and it just seemed beautiful and magical. And I was so interested in it, but the um, uh, the, the the Reiki master was not available. You know, when when I was there, so unfortunately, I did not get to actually experience it myself. But could you tell us a bit more about that practice? You know, what is it that happens when 
a, a Reiki master works with a, a human being? So um, as I was mentioning, we're just basically, a, like I like to call it like a straw, bringing that energy from you. And you don't have to actually touch the person. Usually they're on a massage table, lying down, fully clothed, and you start, you know, wherever you're guided to start, but, you know, normally head to toe, basically. And you're just going from one point to the next, to the next, bringing that energy to the person. And they will take in as much or as little as they're ready for. I mean, everybody's open to a certain extent because they're there to receive. So you're open to a certain extent. And some people are a little bit more open than others. And again, I'm not, or any Reiki practitioner is not um, healing the person. We are facilitating the energy to go to that person and they do their own healing. So a lot of times it just helps people relax. Uh, sometimes if the person needs energy, they'll get a lot of energy afterwards. Um, it really just depends on, we all have imbalances in our bodies. I mean, no, especially, I think you said you're in New York. Living in New York, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming at us all the time. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, wherever you are, there's stuff coming at you all the time. And so the Reiki is a vehicle to get back into yourself, get rebalanced and whatever's kind of out of whack a little bit, getting back in, you know, in place, so to speak. And what's cool about Reiki is because everybody's at a different place energetically all the time. You'll be in a different place 20 minutes from now than you are now that each session is different. I mean, I've had people snoring on my table. Like <laughs> I had this one client, he would come in and just immediately, as soon as I said the opening prayer, he was like, <sighs> he was out, but he's still <laughs> getting the Reiki, <laughs> which is really cool. And the other thing that's really cool about Reiki is you can send it long distance. After uh, Reiki two, I believe you learn the distance, There's this, they're all symbols. Um, and you learn the, the distance symbol, which you can send uh, Reiki to the planet, to the seas, to people, to you know nature, whatever. You can send Reiki anywhere, anytime, through time, space, in all directions. I also really love working with crystals. I'm a big crystal gal, and um, crystals have their own energy too. So. Actually, before each session, I have a special collection just for my clients. And so I will ask each crystal who wants to help this person today for their highest good. And I'll select whatever crystals want to help that person. And when I do in-person sessions, I place them on the person. Uh, I basically mostly do remote sessions now. I don't really do in-person anymore. And all my New York clients I still work with here in California. Um, and so I still do the same process. I collect all the crystals and I put them next to me and I walk them through the session while we're on the phone together, telling them exactly what's happening, what I'm seeing. I'll see imbalances in their chakra system. And, you know, I ask the healing properties of the crystals to help them through time, space, and all directions. And it works. I know it sounds cray cray, but <laughs> I don't know how all the magic works, but it definitely works. It's, it's phenomenal. And do most humans have a goal in mind when they come to you for Reiki? Are they able to articulate, here's what I 
think I want to achieve from this or does it tend to be more exploratory? It's usually exploratory. However, there are some times when people know there's things called an energy cord where sometimes you might feel like weird or off or, you know, extra cranky for no apparent reason or just something feels rah. And what that can mean is that, and it, it may not be intentional and a lot of times it's not, is basically another source has attached their energy to you. So there's like this energy cord that needs to be cut. And so sometimes people say, I think I need my energy cord cut. There's something going on here. And so we can start with that and then go into it. But a lot of people just want to be relaxed. They just want relaxation. Or if they're going, 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 doing, 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 and they haven't just received whatever it is that their body needs, I'll be guided. You know, I don't do it. It's not just me. It's their guides, my guides. It's like a whole crew working together. And so we work on whatever imbalances are there. So sometimes they come with, you know, I just want to relax because I'm exhausted. And that Reiki energy will give them energy. It's pretty cool. That is really cool. And the reason I asked is because, you know, I was going to ask you next about what is that experience like Reiki with animals? And so is there a goal that, you know, the, the human companion has for their pet or for the animal when they come see you? Or again, is it more exploratory? You know, I guess first, what would inspire somebody to bring their animal companion to you for Reiki? And then what happens after that? Right. So a lot of animals are, I mean, all animals are very sensitive, of course. But some animals are extraordinarily sensitive and and actually, the Reiki is too much for them. It's like, ah, I don't want any. Um, and a lot of times, people just want their animal to receive Reiki to find out how they're feeling physically. So I can't legally diagnose anything. I'm not a vet. So I don't say, oh, they have arthritis. However, I can say, you know, they're experiencing a lot of discomfort. They're telling me they have a lot of pain or aches in their hip area. So I'll concentrate the Reiki on the hip area. Just yesterday, I worked with a dog who had um, eye allergies and I feel everything the animal is feeling just so I can get an indication of, you know, really how they're feeling. And I, my eyes started to get all itchy when I was working with them. And so you know, sometimes they might have a little tummy ache. And so the person may want, you know, the animal to receive some Reiki for any kind of aches, pains, whatever's happening. If they're at end of life, they may want the animal to receive some Reiki so they're relaxed before they transition, which I, I love doing that work, actually, preparing, helping prepare the animal to transition. Um, but it's not, it's actually up to the animal if they want to receive the Reiki or not, not their person. And so the person may want their animal to receive Reiki and the animal's like, nah, no thanks. And <laughs> so, I'm not going to be like a Reiki pusher. You know, like, uh, and so um, sometimes a dog will be like, oh no, thank you. Because I'm a guard dog and I'm a protector and I don't want to get too relaxed because I want to make sure I'm still doing my job correctly for my person. Sounds like my smudge. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love that name, smudge. <laughs> Thank you. 
So it's really, it's up to the animal. And sometimes if an animal's been abused, well, a lot of times if there's an abused animal I'm working with, I explain it very well to the animal of what it is and how it's a, a collaborative thing. And that if they, we can start, if they're curious, but they're still a little afraid, I tell them that we can start. And then if they don't like it at all, we'll just stop anytime. Like it, like giving them the power and the control so they feel like I'm not trying to force anything on them and that they can stop it at any time. And so I honor, you know, I just listen to them. And sometimes animals are just like, oh my God, like I've had dogs flip over and just like their tongues are hanging out. I've had horses where their mouth kind of drops and they just kind of like <laughs> do this with their front um, leg. And, you know, some cats are just like, you know, flipping over too or falling asleep. And then some animals will be really relaxed. And then when they're ready, when they're done, they just walk away. My cat was really sensitive to energy. And um, I used to do a ton of Reiki sessions in person in Brooklyn when I lived there. And um, my cat would hang around for a little bit and then it's like, okay, that's too much. And then they, he would go into the other room. I was curious to know, do different animals respond differently or is it, again, there's like a, a sensitivity temperament that causes different reactions. It sounds like maybe it's the sensitivity. Yeah. I mean, each animal, just like each person has different things going on in their system. And they're, I mean, the animals are very open to it. Uh, again, they may be too sensitive for it, but they understand it and um, they just think it's, it's just way too much for them. But a lot of times it's not too much for them and it's really individual. It's really, it's an individual thing, how much they're taking in. Um, I know for horses, it's not Reiki, but I had a friend who did um, horse chiropractic and they told me that Horses oh, cool. actually hold their um, adjustments much better than people because they understand that it's to help them on a physical, emotional, mental, spiritual level. And they don't do more than they need to do. And they just hold, you know, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, I go to a chiropractor and then like a week later, it's like, oh, I think I need to go back. But a horse will just hold the adjustment for months. It's fascinating. Wow. They're such unique, special animals. I mean, people describe them with the word magical, and yes. I think that's kind of true. I agree. <laughs> you, you, know, you mentioned that you also practice spirit channeling. And how is that different from, from Reiki? What exactly does that look like with animals? Oh, so for, well, I do it for people and animals. So for people, oh, nice. it's basically, yeah, calling in... So there's no healing work with the um, <clears throat> with that modality. I'm just channeling directly from the person's or the animal's uh, guides, uh, my guides, their guides. The person will ask a question. It's like a reading, basically, and I get the answers from their guides and or mine. And then I channel directly from whatever guide that is. I've had everything from... A, like I mentioned previously, an angel to perhaps, um, you know, a certain deity. And then I find out that the person is really connected to, let's just say Ganesha, for example. And I'm channeling from Ganesh, you know, from whomever to answer uh, questions to assist them in 
whatever it is that they have questions about. And then so for the animals, I do the same thing. I call on their guides who come in to the animal communication session, basically. So when I'm connecting with the animal, I connect with the animal on a telepathic, soul-to-soul, heart-to-heart manner for animal communication, and I connect with their guides. So I may not be getting an answer from the animal, but I will get some suggestions from their guides to help um, whatever the situation may be that we might need a little additional help with or for. So it's and like a combo first... platter <laughs> for animal <laughs> communication. <laughs> I like that. And who doesn't love a good com- combo platter? That's right. <laughs> Especially when it involves angels and deities and all that great stuff. Um, I was going to ask also, you know, what was the first, do you remember the first time where you connected with an animal guide? I'm guessing Um, maybe, but I, well, you know, I think when I first was doing it with, um, I think it was a, a friend's cat, I was getting some information and I knew, I just intuitively knew, I'm like, this isn't the cat telling me this, this is coming from a different source. I don't remember, to be honest, what the source was, but I know it wasn't the cat. And then I asked the cat to, I can't even remember, just a different question. And I knew that was, the cat was sending me an image. Oh, that's what it was. It was the um, person wanted to know about the cat's past because they adopted them when they were, I think, like five or six or something like that. And they had no idea what happened with them. And so I get an image of, you know, almost like a movie showing me the place, if there were other animals around, you know, what the environment was, what was happening, if they were abused, I see what that looks like, et cetera, et cetera. So I know that's coming from the animal. And then I'll, now I know it's like, oh, that's from their guide, one of their guides suggesting X, Y, Z. Like maybe go get a second opinion with a holistic vet. You know, I worked mm. with somebody last week where their animal was really sick and I don't know, it's just something wasn't feeling right. And, but that's none of my business, but their guides were saying, just lovingly suggest just getting a second opinion, perhaps from, you know, different vet. Not that there was anything wrong with that particular one, but right. You know, it's just like us, we get information. It's like, oh my goodness, maybe I need to get a second opinion. So they just might suggest something like that as well. Is it scary having these connections? Not at all. It's actually amazing because, and this is uh, important for people to know, I know a lot of people are scared to um, expand their intuition because they think, oh my God, there's going to be like some weirdo ghosty coming in here and I'm afraid and they're going to bother me at night and blah, blah, blah. But if you're only inviting in those of the highest order and only those that vibrate with love and your highest, best interest at heart, that's all you're going to attract. So you, you, it's again, you have the control. It's like boundaries with the unseen. It's like, I'm only allowing in those of the highest order to work with me, to assist me today and always really. And you'll know if like if something's a little off or if they're flattering your ego or if it's the answers are fear-based or it's not coming from a place of love, 
you know right away, like, okay, well, thank you for being here, but you have to go because I know you're not of that. So you have control over the whole thing. And actually, it's quite, I mean, heart exploding. You know, there's some entities that come in that are so big, I can't even, you know, it's just like they're huge, their presence, that I get very emotional while I'm channeling them because it's just like a heart explosion. It's unreal. Like it sounds incredible. It's like really something awesome. that everybody <laughs> would want to be able to experience at least once. It's it's pretty magical and I'm very I'm very grateful for sure. Yeah. And just, you know, um animals have a spiritual crew just like people do. And they also a lot of times see our crew around us. Like the other day, this animal said, oh, the deity Lakshmi is around you to his person. And she was like, oh, my God, I have a statue of Lakshmi in my living room or, you know, whatever it is. Um, another animal said um, that she worked with uh, St. Francis on the other side. And the woman was like, I used to pray to St. Francis as a little girl. So it's just so, I don't know. I don't understand how it all works, but I'm also blown away and I'm just amazed by all of it. Yeah, and grateful to be in, in the, the middle of these types of interactions, these Absolutely. experiences. I know you work with both living animals as well as those who have transitioned. I'm curious for you, how, how do those experiences differ, you know, if at all? Not that, I mean... The experiences of what their experiences obviously are it's quite different. However, connecting to them because I'm connecting soul to soul, um, I really work on a very soul deep level. I mean, I can do like what's Fluffy's favorite toy, but you know, you know what Fluffy's favorite toy is. You know, I, I, I like to work more on a deeper. What are their soul messages for you? Why are they in your life? What are they teaching you? All that stuff. Um, so connecting to them whether they're alive or in spirit is pretty much the same process for me. Um, the experiences of animals who have transitioned, it's uh, pretty amazing what they tell me. Um, yeah, so they're all doing different things. I have some stories about that too, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. Is there, I mean, you mentioned a story. Is there a story that comes to mind, maybe something that really impacted you or stayed with you throughout yeah, your, there, your well, career? Well, there's so many, um, and some not in a great way, but they're lessons for me. Sure. Um, and it's, it's helped me, um, all these different animals that I've talked to and all these different scenarios, it's helped me not be judgmental, know that there's a bigger picture, have acceptance for what the person decided to do for with the animal, because there's always a bigger picture that I don't know. Um, so there's some tough lessons there sometimes that are pretty extreme cases, but some fun, cute ones are, <laughs> there is one, um, we're here oh my for God. those. <laughs> yeah. I love the fun, cute ones. So there was a dog, Penny, and she had a brother, Ollie, who passed about, I don't know, six months before her. And she was saying, I do really important work on the other side. And I said, well, what are you guys doing? And she said she helps children with cancer transition. So when it's their time to go into the, to the other side, 
Penny and her brother Ollie are there to greet the child. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. But the wild thing was, she said that if the child is with a uh, support animal or a therapy animal, like while they're alive and they're working with another animal, that animal that they're working with contacts, quote unquote, Penny and Ollie on the other side and tells them, this child is about to transition, like get ready, like calling them in basically to help the child. And the animals tell me they can appear as they appeared, you know, as dog or cat or bunny or whatever. So the child feels safe and happy and wants to cross completely. Oh my God. Isn't that amazing? Like that is yeah it's incredible and that they're all working together yeah it's like this uh the invisible team it's so awesome and a lot of times they're like i'm just running and playing and having fun um the one thing i think is really important for people to know is that animals are i've never in however many years i've been doing this since i think 2006 2005 I've never, ever, ever met an animal who's mad at their person for helping them transition, ever. No matter what the circumstances are, they understand that we are learning what we need to learn about whatever. And, but they, um, they're just, and in fact, a lot of times they're very thankful because they're ready. And a lot of times people, uh, sorry, the animals are already kind of in and out of their physical bodies and then we just assist them go faster. And they, I'm, I'm telling you, I promise you, I've never met an animal mad at their person for helping them transition. Yeah, that, that surprises me. I, I don't know why I would have thought that there would have been some sort of, maybe not resentment, but you know, confusion. Um, that's very interesting. No, and they don't think about death the way we do. You know, it's, um, it's not like they're excited uh, about it. Um, but they don't have the same kind of stuff around it. They know they're going home. The thing that they're most worried about is us. They want us to keep our hearts open. They want us to promise them that that we will we will still, you know, expand our hearts and receive love. And they come and visit us and you're not crazy if you're sitting at the table and you are like, "Oh my god, I swear that was my dog rubbing against my ankle." It is you know, or you're in bed and you feel kind of a density in your pillow and you think, wow, that kind of feels like my cat or whomever. It is. Or if you have a dream about them, a lot of times they visit us in our dreams if you're a big dreamer. Um, So they do come and visit us in many different ways. And sometimes uh, they may knock something over like they did when they were alive. <laughs> like if it was a cat, you know, <laughs> like they're still right, cheeky. The, the countertop cans <laughs> right, are, exactly. are bouncing Let me just around. Get that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they definitely come around and visit us for sure. And you're always, 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 always connected. And a lot of times we've had past lives with these animals. Uh, just yesterday, I was working with somebody, and the, and the uh, dog said, "Oh yeah, we used to be together in I think it was Ireland, and I used to help you herd the huh. sheep." And da da da, you know, <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> and we both were getting goosebumps. It was like, oh my god. 
so um, it's just so fascinating. There's just so much that, you know, I know I don't understand, but I'm just, um, I know that there's a really big picture out there and we're all sentient beings. Animals are sentient beings. Yes, they feel things. They know things. They know us. They, they love us so much. They just want us happy. Which is so sweet and comforting. Yeah, I mean, if they had their way, (laughs) they would want us like on the floor playing with them, giving them treats and talking to them and playing with them and bringing them outside like 24 seven, you know? It's like, sometimes I have to explain (laughs) to the animal, you know, your person has to go to work so they can buy your food. Oh my God, you gotta talk to Smudge. (laughs) You and Smudge are overdue for a long discussion. (laughs) It's hysterical. (laughs) And it's also, I mean, Look, sometimes I'll I'll be at home and it's nice to know that if I think something's in the room with me, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a mouse. Right. <laughs> like unwanted company, um, that it could be something positive. Absolutely. And, you know, if you notice your animal tracking something, a lot of people will say, oh, my God, I, I thought there was an entity in here because you'll see them looking at the wall and they're tracking with your yeah, eyes. That's happened with smudge. Yeah, smudgy nose. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. And I've had moments too where you know, I, I have very good vision and sometimes I'll see something, but it happened very quickly. And like, oh, yes. is it a shadow or something? But I very rarely had my eyes play tricks on me. You know, it's, if I if it catches something, something was moving around. And again, it could be a flicker from outside or whatever. But sometimes I think smudge also very in tune to his environment. You know, he's an anxious Australian shepherd. And if there's anything present, he seems to pick up on it pretty fast. Yeah. And that happens with me too, with the, it's usually very fast. It's like, what, what was that? And you look and you don't see it anymore, but it was something caught your eye literally. And then it continues on. I think you touched on this a little bit, but when you encounter animal spirits, how often is it you've been, you know, asked to try to connect with that animal? You know, you've been you've been given a not a mission, but maybe a person has asked you to help connect with them, or you've gotten the message from somewhere else to go to that specific animal. Versus, how often are you encountering animal spirits? I'll say randomly, you know, they'll just pop up and you know into into your life. Uh, they don't well because I have such strong boundaries with the unseen that goes for Mm. animals as well um so i don't really have i mean my cat will pop in but that's different uh because i always invite him to come whenever he wants to come for whatever reason because he's the best um but um no i uh it's a it's the process of connecting with their soul uh but i do ask this came to me in a meditation actually I was getting to ask for any animal that I've worked with who wants to help me to come in and help me with the session. So I feel then the presence of many different beings around because I've asked for their help to connect with this animal who has passed. And so that's pretty cool because I I ask for help with anybody who wants to help me. and, um, And then I feel them coming in. It's, 
you know, I don't specifically like see, oh, there's, you know, the money, the rooster, the horse, you know, whatever that I've worked with, but I feel their energy coming in, which is pretty cool. It is really cool. And to have sort of a menagerie of yes. different <laughs> types of beans there is pretty awesome. Um, there's something else that I wanted to ask as it relates to that. Um, let me just go back to my notes here for one. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, when you're connecting with the human companions of animals, you know, whether ones who are alive or those who have transitioned, it sounds like pain or health issues is an, a common thing that, you know, they're curious about. Are there any requests that have maybe surprised you that someone's come to you with and said, you know, can you help me, you know, connect to my animal about this particular thing? And you've been like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've just, there's so many different experiences. It's not only if they're in pain, they're ready to transition, but there's a behavior issue happening. And they're mm -hmm. like, you know, they never used to do that. So what's going on? Sometimes uh, an entity is bothering the animal and they're acting out. Sometimes the animal, a lot of times the animal needs a lot more exercise and they don't know what to do with all that energy. So they're taking it out in, in a, you know, what we see as aggression, but it's, they're just like, Rah! I don't know what to do with all this, but I've never, to answer your question, I know I just went off on a little tangent there. <laughs> Not really. I don't know. It was great. Nothing's really, yeah surprising so much it's just uh there's so many different situations you know if they've adopted an animal they want to know about their past or if they're thinking about adopting an animal they're wondering you know what their current animals if they have current animals what they think about it and in fact the other day oh yes the animals were like no way man i don't want to know. <laughs> and the person's like, but I'm already adopting the animal. And they were like, no, no, no. Or people assume oh that if, you know, if you have two cats, for example, and one passes, they assume the other cat really wants another friend. And not always. Yes, sometimes they do. But a lot of times they're like, mm -hmm, I am queen kitty around this joint now I get all of the attention <laughs> I get all of the treats I don't have to worry about yeah, sharing child yeah exactly so always make sure you know before you go ahead and <laughs> get another animal if your current ones are really down for it and sometimes you'd be surprised they may want another friend but it might not be another cat might be they want a dog huh. they might you know who knows interesting it's not always what you might think they want if they do want another friend and if they do want another friend a lot of times they'll say make sure they smell good make sure they don't eat my food if they come <laughs> and make sure they have their own toys because i don't want to share mine <laughs> that kind of stuff but there are ways if you are introducing a new animal to your house there are really great ways i think the humane society lists ways to do it very slowly so you're not traumatizing the animal that's been there for a long time uh, with the new one that coming in and that's hard for the new one as well because new environment so um, I get called for a lot of those sessions like they're fighting they're not liking each other and you know these are lessons in patience sure 
takes time. Some animals click right away and bada bing, but a lot of time it doesn't happen like that. So keeping our expectations out of it is really key and just letting them be and figuring it out in a protected way. And I think you did answer my question because I was thinking, you know, for somebody listening, what are the different, you know, situations or circumstances where somebody might want to reach out to you? And I never thought, you know, introducing another animal to the household, you know, for example, that could be a good reason to, you know, to, to have this experience with your pet. Uh, that's very cool. Do you, um, what do you say to people who are skeptics of this? You know, if someone says animals don't have spirits and animals don't communicate and blah, blah, blah. Do you that's find yourself fine. saying something yeah, similar I don't, to them? Um, yeah. Yeah, everybody, and that's, you know, I mean, let's just say when I was painting faces for an editorial shoot in New York when I was doing makeup, I wasn't thinking about, you know, like another dimension or spirits or any of this stuff. It would be like, okay, whatever. Um, So I get it. I understand. Um, And I don't need to, I just do my job. You know, I'm just here to help people and animals the best I can um, with whatever whatever uh, gifts I can call them that I have to help bring peace and harmony within the household of the person and the animal, what shifts the person may need to make to help the animal. And whether you believe in all that stuff or not, it's okay. I don't, you don't have to it's fine. (laughs) Like I'm not here to fight with anybody or try to convince anybody. I'm just here to do my job. And like I, I worked um, right after nine 11, I was doing Reiki for um, the people who were supporting the families who lost loved ones. And I worked on a cop and he was like, I said, you know, you're going to have to take your gun off when when I do the Reiki and he's like I can't do that and I said okay well we'll just work together and he afterwards he's like I don't know what you did but I feel really good I feel kind of relaxed actually and I was like oh my god so he didn't know what the heck was going on but he was open he was like I just want to feel a little relief from all because it was you know obviously very intense very emotional and I had just learned Reiki but that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it for things like that you know um, so I've worked yeah, in people. many different situations where people are like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll do that. Sure. And then they're like, Oh, was that again? <laughs> so, you know, I, I most in my, in my Reiki sessions with people, I do, uh, channel things for their highest good for their healing, which is different than the readings that I do. So it would be, for example, you need to eat maybe a little more kale or, um, you know, go outside, be in nature or sing or shake it off or whatever it is, something regarding their health and their vibrancy of their energy system, which is much different than, you know, answering questions about career, romance, all that stuff. So that's also included in my Reiki sessions with the crystals. But again, I don't, I'm not here to, you know, convince anybody it's okay it's all right I've had a lot of skeptics um 
book sessions with me, which I don't quite understand, like testing me, I guess, which I don't really have time for that, that because so I'm weird. more busy. Like, <laughs> if you don't believe it, why are you calling me? Uh, so whatever. Yeah. And like why somebody would do that at like, whatever, that's, it's that's whatever. Their, own, yeah. their own thing to figure out. Um, so you've been so generous with your time. You know, thank you so much. I, I do have two more questions. Okay. That's all right. Sure. Um, one is if, just if you have any advice for me and other pet owners and how we can better connect with our animals, you know, we may not likely won't be able to achieve the level of connection that you're able to, but is there anything that we can try to do, you know, that's achievable for us to build those connections? Yeah, absolutely. Listening, observing, observe your animal, you know, watch how they walk. So you notice their gait. So if there's something off, but you know, if they're walking a little differently, you'll know because you're used to what their normal uh, walking gait is. Um, the more that you pay attention to them, uh, with all these various aspects of their self, the more you'll know if something's off. And that's when you can you know, bring them to the vet. I always recommend if there's behavioral issues or anything that's changed suddenly for the animal, mm -hmm. to bring them to the vet first to rule out any kind of physical thing. For example, if a cat is peeing outside the box, um, it may not be a territory thing. They may not be, quote unquote, pissed off with you. They may actually <laughs> <laughs> not be feeling well. So a lot of times animals will start acting differently if they're not feeling well because it's their way of communicating to you. So it's like being um, observant. Also, something really important is always focus, talk about, think about, visualize the behaviors that you love and praise them when they do that. Like, oh, it makes me so happy when you walk by other dogs when we're going out. <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy when you walk yeah. by, you know, Fluffy, the other cat in the house. You know, so you don't want to say, um, don't do this, don't do that, because they sometimes not, may not hear the don't. So all, you always oh, want right, to focus right. on the behaviors that you love and say, you know, good walk or good this. And remember, the energy is coming from you. So if you're walking your dog and you have issues with them outside, remember, if you're stressed out, that energy is going from your heart to your arm, to your hand, to the leash, to the dog. And so that's, no matter what you're saying, they're picking on, on your energy. So if you're stressed, they're stressed. It doesn't matter if you're like, it makes me so happy when you walk by, you know, because they're feeling your anxiety. So it's really important when you're giving those messages, you're in a grounded state of mind. Man, you just hit on something near and dear to us. So uh, I will keep that in mind. <laughs> That's very helpful. Thank you. Good. <laughs> I ain't to blues. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the last one. You know, thank you so much. But if somebody wanted to speak with you about a potential session, either for them or for their animal, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? So the best way is to just shoot me an email, which is uh, I'm Reiki Sue, R-E-I-K-I-S-U-E, Reiki Sue at Gmail. If you want to know more about me, you could go to my um, website, which is suepikeenergy.com. And if you want to see some of the animals I work with, 
you can go to my Instagram page, which is uh, Sue Pike Energy. Terrific. Sue, this was awesome. Um, we really, really enjoyed this. I know Anya is going to be so jealous that she did not get to be a part of this conversation. <laughs> Such great questions. So, uh, right? Thank you.